0: Hello and welcome to the Paterno Fellows Podcast, a podcast designed to help students navigate the requirements of the Paterno Fellows Program through exploring research, service, creative opportunities, and engaging in meaningful conversation about contemporary campus issues. This is a podcast created by and for the students of the Paterno Fellows Program. Hello, Uh, today I have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Rogers, a staff psychologist, uh, coordinator of Black and African-American student services uh, and part of the CAPS program, as well as Dr. Hayes, who is a professor of education, whose research primarily focuses on college student mental health and particularly among culturally diverse students. And last but not least, we are joined by undergraduate student Kiki Baez, Latina American student. She is a senior at Penn State with a bachelor's of science in psychology and neuroscience. How are you guys all doing today?
1: Pretty
2: good. Thank you.
1: Enjoying the snow day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. um, So I think we can get started here. Um, by just addressing the current climate of mental health on college campuses, I I know it it has come a long way over the past, I'd say decade or so, particularly, um, moving away from the past stigma that was put on mental health and therapy in particular. Uh, can I get each of your, uh, inputs on that, uh, question and in whatever order, whoever wants to go first is just fine.
1: Yeah, I think we have, uh, some pretty good data to back up your point. I work with the Center for Collegiate Mental Health, a practice research network of uh, approximately 700 counseling centers across the country It's centrally housed here at Penn State. And we did a study a couple of years ago that found that uh, the demand for counseling services on campus, and I'm sure Dr. Rogers can attest to this, um, far exceeds the growth in enrollment in institutions of higher education across the country. So that speaks, uh, I think, indirectly to um, any sort of decrease in stigma associated with seeking mental health services among college students and also speaks um, perhaps to uh, an increased need for uh, mental health services among college students.
3: Yeah, and I think that, you know, the data speaks to the culture and the experience of students having this conversation uh, interpersonally and through social media. I think there's a lot of kind of information from TikTok about whether or not you have ADHD or when to ask for help or what is this part of your relationship looks like and what that says about your mental health. And so this is something that's becoming a larger conversation. Um, even before we met today, um, uh, we were just joking about the the, the show uh, Euphoria. And effectively, these are a lot of teenage students in a hyper distress kind of experience. And I kind of joke that, you know, why aren't they seeing a therapist? What's going on that these students um, aren't getting help? I think it's, it's stigmatized to some degree, but also we see distress, we see anxiety. Then we start to see these kind of patterns um, culturally, and students say, this is something we want to address and focus on, they they reach out, or they um, reach out to people like staff psychologists at CAPS, or their friends, or their networks, social supports, or just, you know, instructors or professors.
2: I, I don't think that students are not, or don't want to get the help because um, is stigmatized I do think that it is in some cases but I don't think it's stigmatized as it once was um, I think with Penn State specifically um, it's it's I think it's it's hard for students to kind of prioritize their mental health or at, or at least keep it at the same level as it is like when they go to classes but I think that there are students that do want to get help and I think that they don't because maybe the resources aren't available, or um, I mean, it's not like we can have like as many counselors as we have students. Um, but definitely, I know the student health services like they're they're definitely like overworked. Um, but I I don't think it's because they don't. I don't think it's students don't want to get help. I think they do. In my opinion.
4: yeah, I mean, I I agree. I just wanted to add on to your question laden because i mean i think i've sort of seen since coming to penn state um students are going to be students so what their their first priority is going to be focusing on academics at least from what i've seen and sometimes um mental health isn't even like what's what you're thinking of when you're getting up during your like average day you're thinking of going to school doing your work and not really focusing on how your mental health is doing that day um that being said um i think penn state is doing a really great job of making sure that students are aware that um there are resources like caps available for those who want to talk about whatever's going on or look for help um but I don't know. I think also in our generation, the stigma behind mental health has sort of declined a little bit because there is a lot of, like you said, Mr. Rogers, about like in pop culture and TikTok and like shows like Euphoria, there's a lot more awareness going on around it right now. So I don't think it's hard for students to really talk about it or reach out about it. But I think as college students, it's not top priority and it's not something that we generally think about every single day. So
3: mm-hmm. and feel free to call me feel free to call me Dr. B. Mr. Rogers is my uh friendly neighborhood friend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Uh
0: yeah, I'll I'll make sure to do that. Uh <laughs> Dr. Uh, Dr. B. Um so yeah, Kiki and Emma, I think you guys make Great points. And uh, Emma, you talked on this specifically, sort of getting up in the morning and all you're really worried about is the work you have to complete for that day. I think people struggle from, myself included, from some sort of machine psychology. You know, you think that you can neglect things like your physical health, your mental health at times, it becomes secondary and your work becomes primary. And at times there is a certain reality to that. But I do believe in the practicality of mental health. You know, I think that people often separate the psychological from the practical. But I do think that ensuring that your mental health is top notch and your physical health is where it's supposed to be allows you to be more productive um, in your work life. And I feel like it's very easy to sort of lose sight of that.
2: Yeah, most. Yeah, most definitely. I think one thing like that comes to mind that people sacrifice first, that is part of mental health, even though people don't realize it is getting a good night's sleep a lot of people stay up early night to cram a night before the exam or like they think that staying up um at night they'll like they'll be able to retain more information um but that plays a part in how you feel the next day
0: 100 percent um and so like so we already spoke about sort of like the workload and uh that's its implication on mental health but I don't think the workload ever tends to go away. You know, in college, you're exposed to a high workload. But once you enter the, uh, the job market, you are often exposed to higher levels of stress from workload. Um, so what are the other factors that you guys would associate with poor mental health besides stress that are par- that is particular to college students?
1: Yeah, I think this is a really good question, um... I'm teaching a course currently on college student mental health and wellness. And uh, I put the uh, question to my students recently, what major did they think, uh, not just at Penn State, but nationally, had the highest level of, uh, of depression? And the students, uh, to a person, thought about the harder majors on campus, um, you know, engineering, uh, the sciences, <clears throat> and so they as- associated depression with workload, as you're saying. Um, but th- this uh, large-scale national study out of the University of Michigan found that uh, depression was highest among art majors, which was a surprise to all the students in the room, and it suggests that, um, I'm not meaning to say that art is an easy uh major it wouldn't be for me but it it suggests that uh, there are a host of other factors that contribute to students mental health and well-being um, beyond the uh, academic curriculum so i'm interested in this discussion here
4: yeah i mean i agree i think as a student at penn state i think um at this age a lot of students focus a lot on um, their social life and the new friendships that they're making, maybe relationships that they have or um, this new sort of environment that they're in where their relationship with their family is going to change a little. Um, and I think that's a really big part on how students feel day to day. And I think a lot of stress can come from that as well as academics.
3: When we're talking about what influences stress, it's really a question of what doesn't. The list is really infinite. We can talk about relationships with peers, families, parents. We can talk about people's expectation for themselves as it relates to academics and how that creates you know, pressure, and that's often influenced by society as well as our friends and our family. We do a lot of comparison with ourselves, with others, with some imagined self we'll be in 20 years. And then it's, you know, happiness. Do we feel like we enjoy what we do and we're connected? And let's not forget we're in a pandemic. And so between all of those factors and many, many more, such as identity, your gender identity, your racial identity, your sexual identity— Socioeconomic status, anything can play into this. And so when we talk about stress, we're not just talking about one thing or the other. It's everything a person brings into an environment and everything an environment brings to a person. So it's a
0: lot.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, stress is really uh, a function of the stressors that we encounter as well as the resources that we have to uh, buffer the um, stress that we encounter. So, uh, you know, subjectively, how stressed we feel uh, is a function of uh, what we have going for us, uh, Mm what sort of supports we have in our environment, um, friends, Greek life, uh, participation in uh, clubs and events on campus, Tapping into resources, uh, whether it's the uh, and Cultural Center, Center for Ethics and Religious Affairs, uh, Multicultural Resource Center. In addition to the incredible services that, CRA- that caps offers, um, you know there are a lot of other uh, offices on campus that um, have resources to help offset the stressors that students encounter in uh, their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and
0: I wanted to, to go into that, to that point a little bit more because you speak about um, involvement on campus and uh, Dr. B, I was going to slip there and call you uh, Dr. It's Rogers. Cool. It's cool, it's <laughs> cool. <laughs> but uh, you, uh, you, you brought up uh, gender and race, racial identity. And, and I, I feel as though um, both of your work in, in different respects, of course, um, focuses primarily um, on culturally diverse students and correct me if I'm wrong, um, so what, what do you think it is particularly about those kinds of students? Um, I, I would, I would be one of them, um, uh, when it relates to mental health and, and, and why do you direct so much of your resources and time towards studying and, 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 uh, looking after these sorts of students? So i
3: don't want to hop in too quickly because I know I'll take up a lot of time. <laughs> so, Doctor Hayes, do you want to go from your perspective, and then I can supplement? Maybe, you know, I, I this is kind of a um, was it not a soapbox? This is it from the 1920s. This is a Jeopardy's question. You stand on it. Is it a soapbox?
1: Fix the soapbox. Uh, I'll, I'll speak uh, only very briefly. You know, f- I don't want to say too much from an academic or or research perspective um because i think the lived experience of um you know people of color um people who are in the coming out process uh people who are marginalized oppressed discriminated against dehumanized you know those lived experiences uh you know carry more weight than statistics do. Uh, That being said, we know from um, lots of research that's been conducted over the last decade or so that uh, students who have um, less power afforded to them societally based on their cultural characteristics um, need, uh, you know, to um, find support within communities on campus, um, safe spaces where they can be with uh, other people uh, who look like them, who are um, also queer, uh, who are also, um, you know, facing chilly uh, climates in the in the classroom where. Um, Still women are not called on as often as men, especially in the sciences and, and engineering. Um, of course that's going to have an insidious effect on your on your mental health in ways that um, are, are sometimes hard to identify and it can lead the individual student feeling like they're the only one um, and yet when we look uh, nationally it students' mental health is a function of um, their race, their sexual orientation, their ethnicity. Um, it, you know, we, we find that there are not across the board, but there are particular indicators of ways in which students are, are struggling. Um, I say not across the board, because when we look at substance abuse, for instance, uh, that's uh, a much more of a prevalent problem among white students on college campuses uh, than for any other ethnic group. But, um, you know, the data clearly speak to the need for uh, safe places and attention to be given to students who are affected by the campus climate.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And so when we talk about what impacts BIPOC and diverse folk, there's a lot to consider. And... One of those pieces I think of is imposter phenomenon, feeling like you're not good enough when you enter a space. And when you start to conceptualize large campuses or very um, affluent universities or challenging academic courses and research and these high values and attitudes and coming from maybe a lower SES, a gender diverse background, or even just plain old feeling different, you can start to feel like you don't belong in that space. And if you're not in a resource-rich environment, if you don't have your connections, your social supports, or just a strong sense of your own identity, it can become really challenging to enter and be successful in different spaces. And so I want to turn it back to you all, the, the three students who are currently here, about how you just enter these spaces, how you experience stress or anxiety, because I think we can, we can talk like academics, but, you know, this is your lived reality, I think, you know, it's even with a dominant, like several dominant identities, right, it can be hard to just exist as a student, especially during a pandemic.
2: I have to say, uh, Dr. B, you really like, like, um, like, just said my entire life right there in like in nice sentences. <laughs> <laughs> um, but pretty so like what came to my mind was when I first started so I'm Latin um like Hispanic um and I started out in a branch campus um it was in Wilkes-Barre I don't know if anyone knows where that campus is it's like 40 minutes from Scranton but anyways when I went when I got accepted to Penn State I got accepted for the two by two two plus two program so I had to go to Wilkes-Barre first. And my first impression was just, there's no one that looks like me, mm-hmm. no one at all. Um, I felt, and it was my freshman year. I was it was just like, it was my first year away from home. Um, from, and it was completely different from what I was used to. I come from a very diverse town in New Jersey. Like there were no white people at all. Um, there was a lot of everything else though. Um, so coming to uh, Wilkes-Barre was very shocking to me. And I didn't do so well my freshman year of high school, uh, not high school, college. Um, and I just, that campus specifically, like, they, they didn't have the resources that main campus does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really know where to turn to or what to do. I mean, they did have a counselor on hand. I'm not going to say that they didn't. Um, but it was just, it was very different. i I felt alone I felt like I really and I didn't I was because I've had the same friends since I was like 10 years old I didn't know how to make new friends because I didn't have to Mm -hmm. for centuries um so yeah so it was definitely hard and I mean I definitely made it I cannot tell you how though I I honestly Mm -hmm. felt yeah yeah
4: yeah I mean I also hear you Kiki like I think when there aren't that many resources that you know of or have access to. Um, The best thing, in my opinion, that I've been doing is speaking with other people who are going through the same problems that I am. And I think when you're put into a new environment where you don't know anyone, you don't know how to create new relationships, you're far away from home, your family, it is very isolating. You don't know where to turn because you can't vent at all to anybody who really understands you. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do understand what you're saying.
0: Yeah. And, and just to, uh, to add on to that, um, I remember coming to Penn State and um, I really look forward to it. When I got here, um, I think the reality was very different from my expectation in a lot of ways. Um, but to be fair, my expectation wasn't very. Um, it wasn't very informed, to say the least. I was at, I was outside of the states for a decade before I came back for college. Um, I'm actually Sudanese, so if anyone's unaware, it's in, it's in East Africa. Um, and um, when I got here, I guess I always felt like I was the odd one out. I always felt like that made me um, maybe less. Um, Less appealing in the eyes of employers and opportunities because of certain uh, things about myself. But I think, as time went on for me, I looked around and I didn't see many Sudanese people. Although I know every Sudanese person on Penn State comp- campus, I can tell you that. But <laughs> I, I, <laughs> for me, I think I found I found strength in that. You know, I, I was speaking to my uncle who now lives in Boston, and he told me, you know, don't ever think that you just represent yourself. That'd be selfish. You represent your family and you represent where you come from because not a lot of people that come from where we come from end up here and end up in the positions that you're in. Mm-hmm. And I really took that to heart. And I think for me now, what I used to see as something that uh, was a disadvantage for me is now my, my strongest advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it carries me every single day and gives me the power to do what I do. Um, and so I do think and I do believe in this very strongly that for um, kids who come here without much family support, who come and look around and don't see many people who look like them, that they can find power in that, you know. Um, so I, I really do believe in that.
1: Yeah, there's a saying that uh, suffering creates a lot of character that we don't know about right away. Um, that's what I I hear each of you attesting to in different ways and uh, what I think um, uh, a lot of faculty um, and a lot of uh, white people don't recognize is um, how much effort is required simply to persevere for marginalized students on campus uh, you know we as faculty tend to see the world through a pretty narrow set of lenses. You know, there's my class, my requirements, uh, you know, it's part of a set of requirements within this degree program at the university. But the, um, you know, the the larger social context, sociopolitical context in which students are attending colleges uh, certainly affects their lives, as well as their performance in in my class. Um, But unless I uh, am attuned to that in some way, uh, you know, I might just be compounding students' difficulties. Um, And, you know, because most of the uh, classes that I teach are predominantly white, uh, you know, I'm, I'm teaching kids with an enormous amount of privilege. I'm sure you've all heard the expression that, uh, you know, white people are born on third base thinking that they've hit a triple. Uh, and, you know, students who have um, privilege because of their ethnicity, their race, their sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, uh, disability, um, you know, they're, they're just uh, not facing the same sort of challenges that uh, each of you are, are speaking to.
0: Yeah, and I, I like for me, I, I, do, I do agree and see your point, uh, but I, I wouldn't be filling my role if I, if I didn't say this. I do think that maybe racial and cultural identity, I'll speak on those two particularly, can be a handicap for some people. However, I do believe that every student encounters difficulties that we may be unaware of on the basis of different things. I think that difficulty in life and suffering is not exclusive to a particular race, culture, gender identity. And I I do believe that it's important we acknowledge that. And the reason why is because I think the way that we look at the world directly influences our mental health. If I walk outside the door every single day, believing that I am disadvantaged, I am oppressed, I am this, that, and the third, I will not look at the world in the way that I need to look at it to get the opportunities that I want to get. I didn't get that internship because, oh, because I'm, I'm Sudanese or because I'm this or because, no, it's because you can do better. You know, and often, and, and yes, it does happen, I do believe that racial discrimination and discrimination does certainly exist and it is alive and well in this country. However, I do believe that it's important for the individual, and I'm speaking on an individual over here, because I believe that the power, I believe in the power of the way that we look at the world. Um, so that, I guess that's, that's the way I look at it.
3: Can, can I offer uh, something really quickly? Of course. I want to speak to this idea you brought up, and it has to do with intergenerational trauma. The idea that you, in particular, as a Sudanese man, needed to be excellent because you had been given the opportunity that many others hadn't. Okay. Does that fit your experience?
0: Uh, you could say so.
3: Now with that experience, why had another others been given the other the experience or the opportunity that you had? I'm not going to speculate, but I will say that idea that you are having to be excellent. You have to be from your family is interesting because you could just be excellent because of who you are, because of your work ethic, because of what you already possess, that in some senses you are already enough and worth enough, but then you gotta be more because others aren't able to be here.
0: That's tough. I think that's a brilliant point. And um, I, I, I struggle with that because I, 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 I sort of wean in between those two views, the one I had expressed and the one you express. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's important to, at times, look back and see what you have done and also look inwards and see the value that's already there and always will be there.
3: Absolutely.
0: But what I believe in very strongly is that no matter how good you are, no matter how special you are, no matter, and I think everyone is special not saying this about any particular person, but... I think that there's always room to do better and to be better. So yeah. I do think that the way that you look at other people in the world and the systems that surround us uh, directly influences that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's a brilliant point.
3: Yeah. So it's hard to feel like you're enough. And so uh, there's a number of things that influence what you think about that. And I agree it's about how you think about what you experience, your life. And I don't think anyone's here suggesting that people walk through life with this "Quote unquote victim mentality, where they're not going to be enough." I I think it's hard because sometimes you're not aware of when these outside forces are influencing you and in your mental health. Sometimes it's it the awareness that oh man, this is a this is something he said. Is that because I'm black? Can help you to externalize what's happening and say, hey, this is not my trauma to hold. This is not look. Whatever they think about me as a Latina woman is not my thing to hold. But the problem is we do hold that and we do pathologize ourselves and think about ourselves as less than. It's really hard to separate that. Um, Again, and so I, I think that's,
0: yeah. yeah sorry uh, to cut you off.
3: No, I just think that's a factor of resilience is how do we respond and how do we emerge to become the people we are meant to be, but
0: please. And no, I think that's I think that's amazing. And I, I want to extend this uh, also to Kiki and Emma, if you guys have any thoughts on this. But um, on what you said, Dr. B, I think that we often are unaware of what is going on inside in order to actually address it. And this goes back to why students don't seek counseling as often as they should. I think it's because we often acknowledge what suffering we have been through in retrospect. You know, we look back and we reflect on what has happened. But in the moment, it's very hard to get a grasp on what exactly you're going through. Um, Kiki and Emma, could you speak to any times where you were going through a difficult time, um, but maybe you didn't really know what it was or where it was coming from until later on, until you got out of it?
4: I can definitely speak to that. When you were asking that question, I was like, oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I My junior year of high school, so two years ago, I studied abroad in Spain, and I just remember when I flew on that plane, I was so excited because everybody's been telling me for the whole year that was leading up to it that it was going to be the best year of my life, I was going to make all these amazing friends, um, there was going to be like a huge character development, and all these amazing... Things, but when I get there, the reality is completely different from what I was told, and as a result, my mental health was impacted, and I did not realize it because I kept telling myself, "Um, oh, I'm having so much fun. I'm learning so many new things. Everything that I was told." Um, and it was only until after I returned back to the United States that I was that I realized that I was in not the best place at the time. So yeah, absolutely. I think it happens a lot and we don't realize it at all until we're looking back on it. Um, And I don't think that this is just an individual case with me here, but a lot of students go through that as well. But then once you're here in the present and you're thinking back on it, you think that oh, nothing has to be done anymore, because that was in the past. And in most cases, I don't think that's that should be true. I think um, you should focus on it, because it was a big part of your life that should be addressed. So that's my take on that question.
2: <laughs> yeah, you kind of, it kind of brings in, like, you kind of bring up the fact that, like, it kind of seems like students are kind of just living through it to or living through these hard times just to get through it they're not really at least that's what I kind of got from what you were saying like it just kind of seems like um <clears throat> like the only thing that came to my mind was like, like this stupid but like I like I do not do well in organic chemistry and I just did not like the class I couldn't do it I felt really like I just couldn't function in that class. But, like, looking back at it now, I'm just, like, like now I'm through it, yeah. Um, but I just feel like I didn't really deal through anything. While, like, I had so many, like, breakdowns and stuff, but I knew that I ha- it had to get done. But I felt like I was just kind of working through it to get done, if that makes sense. I can, like, rephrase.
0: No, I, I get no, exactly I'm what so you mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I, I, feel, I feel like we're often just like floating through our own experience and not really living it. You know, they always say live in the moment, but, you know, I'll be damned. You live anywhere. It, it is in the moment, you know, it's just about <laughs> yeah. how you savor that moment, you know? Mm,
1: yeah.
0: And um, I think that it's very difficult to do that, especially in college where we're yes. young. We barely even know ourselves, let alone the world. And, um, you know, it is, it is tough. Uh, I want to I wanna move past this and not really past this, but on this point what do you guys do now and and for dr. B and dr. Hayes what do you recommend um, for students to do um, in certain circumstances I could speak for myself and I like to I like to practice calisthenics I like to do physical exercise um, I started meditating recently it's helped me a lot um, that you know just helps you through your through your day-to-day life i I, I'm, I welcome anyone to, to speak on this
2: um, probably me personally is... I feel like you're always expected to be doing something. And if you don't do something, then you're not productive. I feel like getting the chance to do nothing is how I get through my day. So because we didn't have classes today, I was like, okay, that means I get more time to study for the MCAT. And I was supposed to do that this morning. But honestly, I just did not want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. I have so many other responsibilities. I just needed a day. Um, so that's
4: I agree. Um, I think also um, everybody has their own individual ways of like feeling good in a certain day, I guess. And I think recently um, it's been colder and getting darker earlier in the day. So what I really enjoy doing is, I mean, in the I am building, this is a resource open to all Penn State students. um, They have light therapy sessions, which is very helpful um, where they use like sun lamps that sort of mimic the same um, warmth and light of the sun. Um, and also being productive personally is what um, I tend to sort of strive for because then I feel like I haven't wasted my day. Not not to say that giving a day to yourself isn't just as helpful, but um, I think making plans and knowing that, okay, I got to go through this, this, and this today, then you're good. And then you can like take a break. I think that's personally what I've been going through recently.
1: Uh, I have three things that I'd like to say, I guess, um, going back to um, the study that I referenced earlier out of the University of Michigan in connection with some of the points that um, you all have just made. uh, The major on campus, um, again, nationally, that's associated with the lowest level of depression is kinesiology, uh, which I find particularly interesting. It's not at all that kinesiology is an easy major, but um, kinesiology majors tend to know the value of exercise. And uh, as you're speaking to, exercise tends to promote mental health and well-being. So, uh, you know, whatever works, uh, aerobic exercise in in particular is a um, release for stress. Um, And uh, you mentioned meditation. I think, uh, you know, in in my own life, that's certainly been true that uh, a regular meditation practice, and by regular, I mean daily, um, provides a sort of an anchor uh, at the start of a day that um, helps me to deal with the challenges that come later and um, helps me to recognize when uh, I've drifted away from uh, something that uh, you know provides some stability and perspective Um, you don't need to have a particular religious or spiritual perspective. There's a pretty strong research literature on the psychological and physical benefits of of meditation. Um, And I I would say this may be a a little less obvious, but uh, in my 30 plus years of providing uh, counseling to college students, uh, I would say that students who are connected to something larger than themselves uh, tend to be less anxious. Um, 20-25 years ago, depression was the number one mental health problem among college students. Uh, These days, it's anxiety and social anxiety in particular. Um, And anxiety is uh, uh, often a function of thinking that uh, I'm the center of the universe. And I think when students are connected to something transcendent, it gives them a perspective on their own problems that uh, decreases anxiety, uh, that something larger um, could be a group, extended family, um, you know, a, a community on campus or uh where one is going to school doing volunteer work, uh, It could be nature, could be um, you know some other expression of uh, spirituality, but um, it's a, maybe a less obvious um, practice uh, that uh, can offset some of the difficulties in, uh, in anxiety that are so common today.
3: Yeah, certainly. And so I'll say there are thousands of ways to engage in self-care, you know, thousands of ways. And finding the way that works for you for refueling your tank is really important. And I will say on that meditation, mindfulness, or even just a quick check-in, that's really important because you don't want to be on fumes. You want to be understanding where you are and just taking the time to say, okay, wait, no, I need to take a minute can be hard. Um, And so here's the here's the thing I want to shift a little bit is that you actually need to be more aware of your values and expectations and where they're coming from when they're serving you and when they're not serving you. Yes, because what will happen is that you say, well, I need to I need to do more self-care on top of not doing it enough in terms of productivity or not being successful in this area. And then guess what? You shame yourself for not engaging more self-care, not relaxing more or not connecting with others. And guess what that shame does? That increases your anxiety. And so when you're not checking in, not just with your physical body, but your mental expectations for yourself, success and health, and you say, I'm not good enough, that's not going to help you. It's hard to do that piece of work to say, okay, wait, where am I? What do I need? What are my thoughts? Where are my thoughts coming from? When you're able to kind of do that and then you say, wait, what I actually need right now is just to be okay to sit here. I challenge a lot of clients who say, well, I didn't get to the gym and now I feel stressed because I didn't actually work out. I said, listen, do little things often. Can you take a one minute walk around your business, like your school, your business, your home Can that just be one minute that you do just to take care of yourself? 30 seconds. Can you do your assignment? Look, we often think of these assignments as these tigers, and when it's nebulous, we don't want to start it, and that creates this anxiety. Can you just start writing one word or one sentence and have that be it? Can that be productive enough? Can you be okay with that? Can we start off simply doing little things often? So it's a little bit of a shift from just self-care, but I want to encourage that piece of pre-anxiety.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely key. Um, I've known this connects to what you say earlier um, about sort of striving for excellency and being hard on yourself. I mean, those are two things that very well define myself. But I think that starting is the most difficult part of this whole equation. It's when you do the first thing, when you make the first movement, that everything else starts to become more simple. And that's mm-hmm. that's the strategy, the one you just described, which is precisely the strategy I try to use today. And mm-hmm. when it comes to everything from emailing you guys to sort out this podcast to writing a paper that I have to write this weekend, it's all about just let me get the first thing down and then yeah. everything else will follow. And I, I do believe in like I, I tend to and I, tend, I think a lot of students do this where you think very far into the future. You know, you're not just thinking about your college career, you're thinking about what job am mm-hmm. i going to land. Who am I going to meet? Who am I? Whatever. But I think that it's really important to just slow that down and, and take things day by day. What can I accomplish in this next minute, in this yep. next 10 minutes, hour, day, you know? Uh, so I think that and especially with this word that comes up a lot, productivity, it's I think in a lot of ways, it's a plague because it gets us thinking the wrong way about the ways that our minds function and the ways that we can do work. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear any of your other thoughts um, on that.
3: Yeah, I would say this is very, 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 um, uh, it's, it's, it's a metaphor, but it's not, you know, uh, Dr. Hayes, you can, you can certainly say more. Uh, Anxiety is influenced by the past, but I'll say sometimes I tell students, depression is a symptom of your past. Anxiety is a symptom of your future. And it's your thoughts about both that influences your now.
0: I love that.
2: Yep, yeah. and and sometimes I think, and it's like, it's great to like bring people aware. Like you can most definitely tell people to like take it day by day, but it's extremely hard to do so. Um, I speak from personal experience. I don't want to get like too deep and like make this podcast weird or anything, but
0: no, say it, say whatever you feel. It's, it's this is a mental health
1: podcast. <laughs>
2: I know, I know. (laughs) Um, But it's it's extremely, I find it personally, it's extremely difficult to do so, to like really like not think so far ahead because sometimes you kind of have to, you know? Like we're beings, we're like, we're not, like we have to think about the future not i mean sometimes you could you do go a bit too far but like you don't need to be thinking about this now because it does not apply to you right now Mm -hmm. um but i know me definitely last semester i had way too much going on like Mm -hmm. with classes and volunteering and all this other stuff i signed up for um I just was like, I was just freaking out. I was like, Oh my god, I need to do this for the MCAT, or I need to get my applications. I need to get my letters of recommendations. But like, none of these things applied to me last semester. Um, so I just found it really hard to like calm down and like not. So like, you can most definitely like tell people and students and anyone like, yes, do that. But I, I, I don't know. I think it's really hard to get down from that. I guess I speak from a personal yeah. experience because, like, I don't know how to manage my anxiety very well. I should. Um, I tried taking pills. Those didn't work. But And, Kiki,
4: I think I can – I relate to – I relate a lot to what you're saying. <laughs> um, I think a good – because I was in the same mindset um, that you were, too. Like, I completely understand. Um, but I think what has helped me is sort of um, – categorizing what you quote-unquote need to do with um in like what you actually need to do and what you think you need to do and the the, the category like all the stuff in the think you need to do category you could just like push to the side and then focus on what you actually need to do so I think this is my example this is what I went through um I thought that I needed to have a job while I was a full-time student because that's all I really knew in high school is I always had a job. So I thought that, oh, I need to have a job, but this is just what I thought I needed. But when I actually sit down, think about it, like, realistically, do I really need a job if it's affecting me in a negative way that it was? And I, I didn't. So I mean, I think eliminating that helped me a lot with trying to focus on things that were really important to me.
1: I, I think part of the inherent challenge um, of being in college is that it is uh, a time of transition uh, into adulthood, and uh, almost by definition, it, it's a preparatory time, Um you know, between high school and and one's career subsequent to graduation. Um, So uh, understandably, there is a a future orientation that um, college students have and and contributes to making it difficult to live in the moment. But I I think, um, you you know, as uh, Dr. Rogers is saying, you can't – be happy in the in the future you can only be happy in the moment so while i'm planning can i recognize that um uh, that's what i'm engaged in now i mean that's that's what's uh occupying my attention now it's not that i'm living in the future Uh, yes, I'll be taking the MCATs in the future. Yes, I'll be, um, hopefully in this job or living in this city or with this person in the future, but I'm currently, uh, planning for that, preparing for that in, in this moment. And, um, that keeps me from living in the future. Um, I'm currently
3: stressed and overwhelmed. I'm currently in, like you're in the process of saying, this is too much. And it is. Your emotions are real. You're really feeling like you're on E. That's uh, your emotions are, are basically the, uh, the check engine light, the speedometer. It's all the things that you see in a car, but your body, your physical body is in the moment driving. And so, we, we don't pay attention to the present and say, oh, wow, I need to change my oil. Um, we kind of just keep pushing the throttle.
4: Yeah.
0: Exactly. And, and to add on, like, uh, Kiki, you need to, I think that one thing's is important. Um, is just step outside of yourself and see what's going on. I mean, you're an exceptional person. You're in college. You're in a double major. You're trying to go to med school. You're in a job to, to pay for your own food. You're, you're self-reliant. I mean, that's that that's a lot and you, you I think it's important um, I speak about the importance of self-talk a lot it's important to give yourself credit where, where where it's due you know and I think checking up on how you speak to yourself and what you say to yourself the way you think about yourself is all very important and this also stems to to the company you keep I mean for me personally um, I had I had certain like issues with friends in the past because the way they would speak they would speak quite negatively and that that sort of uh, negativity, it rubs off on you, you know? So not only do you need to speak to yourself in a positive way and acknowledge what you've done and what you're doing, but also surround yourself around people who 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 are positive and, and who
1: give you that positivity in return. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, I was uh, reminded uh, while you were each speaking about this uh, comment that, Woody Allen once made that life is what happens to us when we're busy making other plans. And, uh, you know, when you get to be in quite clearly the second half of your life, uh, you know, it becomes a a little more urgent because um, we're all on the clock and, and uh, we don't know how much time we have.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think that's very true, and I think that also, like from from that, I think it's important to speak about sort of destructive habits and destructive habits that I feel like myself and a lot of other college students face. Um, I do think that there's. I wanted to bring this up, and I hope it's I hope it's relevant to you all, but I do think that there's a certain culture, especially at Penn State, very strong party culture, and it's a great thing. I enjoy it, like every every other weekend or so. But I do think that we all work and work and work just to wait for Friday, and then we explode with happiness, you know? And then over the weekend, when Sunday comes, it diminishes, and then we just work and work and work until the next Friday. I think that in that sense, we're always, as you said, Kiki, always like this future-oriented. But I think that it's important that we recognize just the good things of our every day, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have a fresh shirt to put on, you have some food, you walk outside, you listen to your music on your way to class. I started enjoying small things like that, and it's really starting to change my life. So I just think that like it's it's really, really important to one, recognize certain destructive habits that we may have, and then two try to replace them with more positive and productive habits.
2: I 100% agree with you. I have a friend who's like said like the same exact thing just in different words, Um, and like I wish like he, so like he does that too. Like he finds like happiness in just little things, and I think with most college students they just find it difficult to do so because it's just like (laughs) this is gonna sound horrible, but it's like we don't have time to not be doing what we need to be doing. We don't have mm. I, That sounds horrible. And Where I know, does that but- come
3: from? Where's that coming from?
2: <laughs> um, I guess just knowing I have a lot of... or Like, I know what I have to do. Not necessarily... And I'm not talking about, like, in the future. I mean, like, right now. I know I have, like, exams or stuff like that. So I feel like I have to prepare for those. And, like, even if I'm not cramming, like, even if I do it like it's still stuff that i have to do
3: wait 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 does everyone know you can take a semester off at any given time right
2: yeah Um, okay
3: does everyone know they can graduate in five years and get the same degree does everyone know that when you get the degree it still works towards for the same job Effectively, right? I
2: I see I see where you're coming from. Like it like it doesn't need to happen now, and I agree with you. I I do, and I see it that. I do, like (laughs) yes, from a like from a logical logical standpoint, yes, one (laughs) hundred percent. Um, Tell me
3: what's illogical. Tell me what's illogical.
2: It's logical because it makes sense. It makes sense that like nobody's waiting for you. Like nothing. Like nothing. You're not gonna die if you don't do it in in this amount of time. Like if you don't get your degree in four years, like that. It makes sense. Okay. Okay, So tell
3: me the illogical value that's clearly here that everyone (laughs) shares and is aware of.
2: Um. Honestly, I feel like it's probably. Oh, this. I don't want to say society. Just, it's just, just say the thing. Say the thing. We I don't. Know <laughs> I don't want to say it's society, but like, yeah, we wow. like we grew up in this society where like you have like at this certain point you have to do this, and mm-hmm. you have to have a kid at this point, or mm-hmm. you have to get married at this point. And I'm not saying that, but this isn't to say like everyone needs to go to college. No, but like if you don't go to college, then at this point you need to do this. I think it's the societal
4: expectation to be where everybody else your age is at. Yeah. And if you aren't there, then you are considered as a failure by everybody else.
1: There's a theorist, um, Arthur Chickering, who talks about seven different vectors or dimensions along which college students um, develop, hopefully, face challenges in, in making the... Um, transition from adolescence into adulthood. And I hear uh, each of you speaking to some of those challenges related to autonomy, identity, purpose. Um, uh, Those challenges that you're speaking to in terms of uh, trying to decide what you're going to uh, internalized from what is handed down societally, um, expectations, uh, from your parents, from your, your cultures. I mean, that's, that's part of the normative developmental process. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you don't struggle with those challenges now, it's not like they go away, you know, everyone gets 168 hours in a week and, uh, I'm no less busy now than I was as a college student. The, the question is uh, am I going to live my life or am I going to live a life that's prescribed for me?
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's very powerful. I think uh, this and this is something that for me personally that I went through a couple of years ago, like you know once you, once you leave home and you obviously you're passed down certain values, certain habits, certain expectations from your parents and from the society you grew up in. But I think the longer you live away from that, the more you're able to discern what you feel as though it does not fit in your life and yes. what you want to incorporate into your life. Yes. And, and I think that that's really, really important because I saw myself doing things that did nothing but stress me more or made me feel worse, you know, and I started replacing those with things that made me feel better. And not to say that just the things that make you feel better, are the things that are good for you, but maybe what I meant to say is what things that were right for me, you know? And I think that's different for, for, for everyone. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's of, of great, great important importance.
3: Yeah. That's your value. If you value this thing, it serves you It's what you want to do. You want to work 10 hours a day and that services you. It doesn't, it stress you out or exhaust your tank. Good. But if your value is something else and it doesn't align with what you're doing, that's, You know, if you want more time, if you need more time, but the society, system, family, friends, anything, or some internal voice that you don't know is telling you to be something you aren't. Look, you have. There's an Afrocentric principle that describes that you have intrinsic self-worth. You have worth because you are simply a universal being existing. You are not defined by anything you do or don't do. You just have worth. But if all these different messages are telling you you don't because you don't do this thing, does that service you? Finding the thing that actually services you, the value that does service you, and the action you can meet in response. And if you choose one way or the other, there's a concept or, I'm sorry, an approach to therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy. Being flexible, knowing your values, and committing and having acceptance over that choice. That's important.
0: So, I mean, Dr. B and Dr. Haynes, you guys are both college students at some point. Um, And I want to ask you this question. I hope um, I don't put you on the spot here. But um, if you think about yourself back when you were in college and going through a hard time, um, with everything that you know now, what's one thing that you would tell that kid?
1: probably don't go ahead. Doctor No, go ahead, please.
3: Dr. I was going to say, don't, uh, don't try biomed, um, biomedical engineering, <laughs> biomedical <laughs> engineering. Is, is not your thing, Baron. You're going to sleep in that 8am chemistry class. You're not going to, you know, you should probably check out psychiatry or psychology. You might have an interest there maybe.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I love this question. Um, when I see, Clients, I'll ask them the same thing, regardless of how old they are, and uh, and and then I'll ask them maybe to be open to advice from a future self. Um, it, you know, I, in looking back, I I would say uh, trust yourself, um, seek help, uh, recognize that. Hardships are temporary. Uh, And again, uh, trust your inner compass.
0: Trust your inner compass. Trust yourself. Hardships are temporary. I love that. Uh, Kiki and Emma, any closing remarks? I think we're getting to about that time.
4: I think everything um, Dr. Hayes had just said to his past self I will think about that for my present self. I think it's very good advice.
2: Yep. I agree. Yeah, like I think you got you guys really brought up a lot of good points and like I mentioned before, it does make sense and I will take I will definitely like definitely try to be here rather than worrying about stuff that's not right now
3: or or don't it's your life you choose (laughs) like don't you you get to choose if it doesn't work for you throw it out the door it's your life i'm not going to throw another expectation on you with society i'm not gonna do that
2: (laughs) i get Um, that uh
0: no thank thank you all for joining honestly i really appreciate each and every one of you for for really being uh very personal and, and not being afraid to be vulnerable about what you said it means a lot um Uh, thank you again for your time and um, I hope we can do this again sometime it's been a pleasure
1: thank you everyone I really appreciate you all